You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And uh, today we watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. It's not, a, it's not a question of violence or nonviolence. It's a question of resistance to fascism or non-existence within fascism. You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder a revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. Yeah, and this is on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, you have access to this. And I believe this will be up uh, until March 14th. So don't wait to watch this film. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit different in this episode because this is the story of uh, Fred Hampton. And if, if you know the story, you know what's going to happen in this film. And if you don't know the story of Fred Hampton, then you just need to get online and just read that real quick because uh, not real quick there's a lot of time that you probably should dedicate to the story of Fred Hampton <laughs> but this is not something that we can spoil because this is history and it's relevant right in our culture today so uh we are not doing a spoiler free this is just we're just going to talk about the film uh and we have a, a special guest coming on later who is that guest John? yeah so uh over the past I don't know, it's been seven or eight years, Rich Bradford and I uh, have been working on a play about Fred Hampton. So Richard Bradford is the author of To My Unborn Child, a love letter from Fred Hampton. It's a one-man show that's been touring the country uh, for the past couple of years. Rich plays Fred and wrote the play itself, and he's become quite an expert on him and has embodied him for a while. So we thought uh, we would, I would sit down with Rich and have a conversation with him about the film and a little bit about Hampton, and we'll do that in the middle of the show in an excerpt form, and then we have a full version that we'll put into our feed as well. Yeah, so... Um, and, and who knows, Rich may call right in the middle of this. He may call point. right we'll in the middle of this recording. I know he's it, watching it, this. Rich uh, is an unpredictable man, so, so. it's... Uh, that And that show that show is great. Um, lucky enough to have seen that uh, you, that show you guys put on. So, um, great show. Uh, so, um, I don't really know where to start with this movie. Uh, do you know where, to, where we should start? Well, I'm going to ask you the question you always ask me. Uh, what do you think I about know. the film? What do you think? Um, okay, so this, so I I think to talk about this, we I need to separate this into uh, uh, two different lines, right? The the story of Fred Hampton and right. what happened, and the actual film and filmmaking that took place. As far as the story of Fred Hampton, I thought it was very insightful watching all of what unfolded um, and seeing an, an inside look to. Uh, more about the the Panther Party, the Black Panther Party, about Fred Hampton's life, about what he embodied, um, about what the Panthers in general embodied, about the struggle, about uh, what they were trying to do. Um, as far as the filmmaking went and as far as the direction, I, I felt like there were some pacing issues, to be honest. Um, I felt like uh, I felt like there were some problems with the film that didn't hold my attention as much as I wanted it to. Um, if this weren't a story about Fred Hampton, I might have been checked out. But because it's the story of Fred Hampton and I knew the relevancy of this and, and uh, his story already, I was more engaged with, with everything. Um, so I, f I, feel like, I've, I feel like this isn't a great film, but because it's Fred's story, it is a film that you absolutely need to watch. 
I think you've made a really good point. It's uh, I think it's a good film. I don't think it's a great film, right? Right. And we, you know, that and it has. I think pacing is the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of the dialogue is like Fred Hampton actual stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So much of Fred's talk or Hampton's talk, and then, you know, we the rest of the story is based in real in facts right like mm-hmm. everything is is coming down factually that doesn't mean you know merch and i talk we'll probably get in some more detail about that but you know from a story standpoint it suffers from this thing that happens with biography stories yeah where they there's a hook we need to find to get through the story and we there's a struggle between uh who the main character of the film is mm-hmm. because hampton's more important for us to have a conversation about Right, right, and uh, but Bill O'Neill is is the angle that we find into this story. Right, he's, so, the, he's our perspective in right. right? He's our Judas and Judas and the Black Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you, you there are moments in this where everything is like clicking one hundred percent, and then there's moments where 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 things get spread out, and you have that difficulty with, you know, one of the things that you know we talk about with some of the other films that we watch, and, and you know, I want to talk about like. One Night in Miami or um, in, something in, in that vein, stripping down the historical figures to one night and four characters mm-hmm. makes for a very manageable story. Mm-hmm. And here there are so many characters to get a grip around and to tell their story that it does pose some issues with pacing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right with you on that. that uh, so yeah, so yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I, I had a I had a little bit of a hard time with it. This isn't a film that I'm. Uh, this, this is a film I'm only going to remember because it's the story of Fred Hampton, and not because it was a great film that uh, I, I'm gonna need to rewatch. You know what I mean? Um, I mean the last. Um, it's not really a biopic, uh, but it's it's a historical based. And it takes place right around the same time as uh, Trial of the Chicago 7. Right. And I mean, the difference between Aaron Sorkin's writing and I, I don't know who wrote this film, but um, there's, there is, there is, um, I am, I am engaged with the Trial of the Chicago 7 um, in a different way than I am with this film because of the pacing, because of the writing, because of the, a little bit even of the direction. Um, it just it's just it's different it's different and i know it's a different story um but dealing with uh, i mean actually a, a decent amount of the same characters um it I, do you know do you know what i'm trying to say i'm not even sure how to break this down i'm not even sure where to start with this movie um because it's it's actually difficult for me to put into words after a single viewing of of the problem because you know when i watch a film i really just try and just sit back and just watch and get sucked into into what's happening in front of me. Um, and I, I try not to pick out all the, the details of, you know, is the cinematography good? What, what's the music doing to me right now? Like I just try and exist in the, in the viewing, um, without trying to, you know, separate myself from what I'm watching, um, you know, to take myself out. So I'm not sure how I can, uh, discuss the film right now. Cause it's really difficult. Um, other than if we broke it down into, you know, how do you, what do you think of the acting? What do you think of the music? What do you think of the cinematography? Because then I can actually focus on an individual aspect. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, so l- let me say a few things then about yeah. like my sort of perspective on it. Um, one of the things I think that 
so I want to talk about some things I really liked in the, in Go the movie. Go for it. One thing I really super duper liked was the uh, the attention to detail in setting, costume, the look of the mm-hmm. the film. So the production design for me was extraordinary. Um, oh yeah, and there were there were things in the film that felt so anchored in a reality uh, that that really made for this to come alive. Um, the, some of that material wasn't always shot in the most interesting way. So there were there were some shots that really stick out for me. There's mm-hmm. a, you know, uh, when, you know, uh, Bill O'Neill's walking out of Hampton's house at the end. Mm-hmm. In fact, that whole sequence of the Last Supper, like really yeah. clearly playing out the Last Supper in his house that last night was such a clear and distinct play on the Christian imagery that, and that like that worked like gangbusters. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, um, I think that the violence was presented really well. I think that they did a really good job presenting the brutality of what violence looks like. Mm-hmm. So they didn't sugarcoat that stuff. And, you know, we saw, we saw what guns do in the world. Like there's, right. there's a lot of stuff like that that I thought was really good. And, and again, I think that the acting across the board was very, what I'm going to call naturalistic. Sure. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So as opposed to the, like the heightened acting of something like Malcolm and Marie, mm-hmm. um, or, you, or even like the dig, like uh, any of those films where the acting is sort of not in the real world. These felt like real people doing real things, which right. can account for some of that disconnect you're experiencing. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, I mean, Hampton is such a charismatic figure, but the other characters, it was, you know, if you don't know who they are, they're just mm. folks on the screen, right? Right. Uh, and that can that can cause that disconnect. But the, I thought the acting was solid. And I thought the production design was really quite good. And there were some moments that looked beautiful. There was a moment where we had, and I don't remember who it was because we, we watched it, what, five minutes ago? Yeah. But sitting in front of uh, Red Window, was it... Um, was it Bill O'Neill? Someone was sitting and there's, you know, the red window light coming in through a window. He's in silhouette. Like there's some really beautiful visual moments. Hmm. But from a, the arc of the the storytelling, it just runs into this episodic, we know where we need to go, how are we going to get there? And we're yeah. seeing the story through, uh, you know, the, the eyes. Of, we're seeing the, the plot is being driven by a character who we have less sympathy for right yes our, our, and it's difficult for me to have empathy yeah for the a guy who's a, for all practical purposes a 20-year judas to an organization right. that the film does an excellent job as portraying as a force of good in this community in the world right yeah yeah i i i totally agree and i think you know that's maybe where my my disconnect always comes in story it's never it's never in the cinematography uh maybe not never but sometimes it's in the cinematography but the majority of the time it's in the story um it's in the character and i think i think you're right i think it's it's that i'm just not able to um sympathize or empathize with bill o'neill um and i mean even at the end right and this is where spoilers happen if you don't know uh, the movie or the story of Bill O'Neill, I guess, but you know, you have a load of text at the end of this movie, and and actually the actual interview with the real Bill O'Neill. Right. Although we get, you know, Stanfield doing it all through the rest of the film. Yes, and they uh, they actually nailed the look of that. They nailed that. Um, 
And when the real Bill O'Neill comes on screen, you get the sense that he fully believed that he was doing good and that he was fully a Black Panther and not not turning on his colleagues. Right. And I mean, that's why the events that unfold with him uh, when it aired happened because of the guilt that he felt. Right. Truly a Judas figure. And there's just I, I there wasn't enough done for me to uh, sympathize with him right like I know he was he it you could feel a little bit at the end when he was kind of he wasn't forced into drawing that blueprint but he was essentially given the option of be tortured by the Black Panthers when they find out that you're a CI or draw the blueprint and live another day yeah, you know, it's interesting because the, that counter conversation, and I, I bet Rich and I will end up talking about this, to, to, you know, when we get together. That yeah. The conversation between th- that we have of Hampton talking about, and, it, you know, this is where the writing was solid, Hampton talking about what it means to die as a revolutionary and mm-hmm. what it means to have a child, and, and that scene with Deb, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, is sort of intimate and, and, and well acted, and then you ha- have uh, a guy who's made a decision to let those people die for his own personal survival and that distinction between yeah. the group and the individual. And I yeah. think that's a thing that could have been pushed more clearly mm-hmm. in the writing, right? That's, that's yeah. the thing that w- right. to drive that. And I, you know, that doesn't mean that they failed at telling the story. It just means from a from your from your story, from your narrative sensibility, yeah. there are some issues with with plotting right or with, yeah you know, yes with whatever it is. yeah there's it, there's just um it's it's not that they did it poorly it's just that they could have been done in a more powerful way and i'm not sure what that way is i can't speak to the decisions that they did make um i i can only try and figure out like what you know if they if they edited dif- if they could have edited differently or if they wrote the character of bill o'neill slightly different or you know and i don't know how much of this you know is actual true fact you know how much of it is inspired on the events and how much of it is actual fact of the of what went down you know we're not in we're not in the room uh when you know uh jesse Plemons' character hands him the notepad to draw the blueprint right we can only take uh, it's written based off of you know the idea of this this thing happened this event happened bill o'neill drew a blueprint what do you think happened in that room what would you what do you think the conversation was they can only speculate what that conversation was um but based off those speculations i I, like i do wonder if there was a uh you know if there was a better writer behind the uh script if there could have been a more powerful moment or a better way for me to connect so there's four writers right shaka king is Mm -hmm. sort of i think the lead writer and 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 director right right and then there's you know three other there's the lucas brothers and um uh, there's one other writer let me just check and see here hold on yeah uh, and and will burson. burson and none of them have a big raft of previously produced material mm-hmm. but you're always running into a difficulty when you see a lot of writers on a script that means a lot of people are taking a pass over that script and you don't the reasons why can be multifold but that can certainly pose a problem yeah um you know so th- that's that's a thing I, um i i'm going to talk a little bit I think uh, and I'm just anxious to sort of get to Rich at some point here and let that conversation take place which will be weird because then we're you know I'm probably going to not record that right this moment so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this goes but uh, but, um, you know 
I uh, I have to say my emotional state during watching this film was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, uh, I have a personal connection to this character, seeing him brought to life and brought to life effectively yeah, yeah. by, um, uh, you know, a, a director and an actor creating uh, an environment for that character to really speak was great. And, and they certainly didn't, turn him into a cardboard cutout which I think was really important and a danger in this kind of biopic right where right. you know we see a, a and, and they also didn't turn him into some internalized self-destructive figure so like we get we get a film about Malcolm X and we want to make sure it's rich and interesting we get a film about Martin Luther King and sometimes it's a very flat portrayal mm -hmm. because it's talking about history and not about a person mm -hmm. and sometimes you get a portrayal where you know he's you know, we see the, all the darkness inside and we forget to see the light. Yeah. And this did a really nice job of keeping him as a human being in this story uh, and expanded on sort of moments in his life uh, with his very short life. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that's challenging as a viewer that, I, and, and you know, again, I, I wonder where, where Rich and I will talk about it in, in yeah, a few minutes. I think that you and Rich will have, you know, I, and I know, I know that you and Rich are going to have a very deep conversation about Fred Hampton. It's going to be more Fred Hampton and his story and, yeah. and who he is than it is about uh, the filmmaking in the movie, right? So the, our yeah. aspect, I feel like, is very much right. about the actual film itself, and and your 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 conversation with Rich is going to be very much about the, yeah, and about how it, it meets the needs. I, I yeah. think Kaluuya is uh, older than Hampton, and it's one of those mysteries that it's one of the like impossible mm -hmm. things about telling the story of this this guy who's killed at twenty one. Right. To tell that story and make it feel as tragic as it is uh because of that death at that young age and i think we have to sort of acknowledge that as a as a thing that is that that the story has to contend with right yeah it's, and it's a hollywood thing right so it's about we need to have a star to anchor a film that may not get the viewership we want right. it to so we're going right. to anchor it with some strong actors so we're safe in the acting and we're safe in its publicity but in the same way you know um Klug is not 21. No, he's 31. Right? Yeah, and, he's 31. And th that distinction um, in, in a film where mm. we're dealing in reality, you know, Rich is older in, in the play, but on stage, and there's stage a lot different. you can do to make the, mm -hmm. the juice different. And, uh, you know, the conceptual nature of that play is different. But I, I think that that's a, that's a thing that the, the story has to contend with, uh, and especially with Deb, who I thought did a lovely job too. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, I just thought they, the acting was really very solid. Is um, is the age thing? Does it come down to like the younger you like? Because because Kaluuya doesn't look like a twenty one year old, right? Is what you're saying? If he did look twenty one, is there more of an uh, I guess an innocence that you can you can see? So, is that is that what for is me? That it's what you're the saying? opposite. Like okay. it's about it's so one of the things I think that the Black Panther. I, mean, I don't know how much I want to talk about this necessarily, but one of the things I think that this film does a nice job at is talking about the potency of the Black Panther Party mm -hmm. in its community. Yeah, and the fact that it's run by a pile of folks who are barely in college mm -hmm. is extraordinary in a right. culture where we live, where people are spending far more time sitting behind a computer, yeah. or playing on their phone, or making YouTube videos, sure, yeah. you know, doing mukbangs or whatever it may be. Right. Where you know these young men and women. And I really appreciate how they handle the women in the film. Mm -hmm. These young men and women were turning the world upside down yeah. at the age that you know I have uh, you know encounters with students who can barely get out of bed in the morning. Right, and that to me is one of the reasons why you want to 
to be conscious of his age because yeah, sure. it's, a, it's a call to action. It's a right, challenge. Right. And so, so that's a thing that, you know, I, I think we, you want to be conscious of and are surrounding him in mm -hmm. this film were young actors. So mm -hmm. Cleo was, was surrounded by people who were quite young compared yeah. to him. Mm -hmm. And that, but that in the end is the danger of accenting him as older than when he really is a, I mean, he's young. Yeah. Um, uh, the, for, for me, this movie in a lot of ways was like watching Easter eggs unfold, right? Yeah, right. So I right. know all these details and I care about this story a lot. Yeah, I saw you shaking your head a few and, and there's times where I'm like, times. oh, they're they just dropped that. They did that. And yeah. and those things those help me engage, right? So for me, knowing the story and caring about the story immensely uh -huh. and knowing how important it is for this man to be presented to the world, I'm I stay in I stayed engaged, but I can feel the drag of the filmmaking yeah right right and that's the and i think sometimes when we're doing a review you, people can hear us being negative about something when in fact it's about giving context right 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 so i need to i want people to watch this film because i think the acting's good and i think no doubt generally yeah. the you know the production design is good i think that it's it's a fine film right like there's a lot of great bad. there's a lot of great things about this film yeah and but I also want people to know that if halfway through they're feeling like it's dragging, they need to know, first of all, there's some place it's going. And second of all, yeah, that's what's happening in the film. Right. And if we embrace sometimes, if we embrace the idea that films can have weaknesses and still have value, mm -hmm. that it makes someone able to watch it who might be sitting at home, some some young person who black, white, Hispanic, whatever it may be, who's watching this and may say, oh, I'm not that interested because the movie starts to slow down and they're looking for action. Yeah. Um, and that would in fact be a betrayal of what Hampton's trying to do. So for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like in some ways I'm giving a warning here to say, just be prepared because the middle has some gaps. Well, and, right? you, and, and you're right on in a way to my thinking because I, you know, I haven't read any reviews, but the only reviews that I've seen go up from people have all been uh, a lot of praise, a lot of praise, a lot of praise for the movie. And I haven't seen anybody say, okay, well, there's actual problems with the film um so let's talk about let's talk about the problems because just because the fred hampton movie doesn't mean that it is going to be great you know uh the story is the story needs to be told and i'm glad it was told um and there's like i said there's i mean there's problems with pacing but there are a lot of wonderful things i love kaluuya's performance um his i mean his accent he did some work um you know, to to capture Fred Hampton. Oh, he's nailing Fred Hampton. Yeah, absolutely, um, nailing it. And so, I mean, his performance is wonderful. Um, who who plays his? Uh, who plays? Who plays Deb? Uh, Dominique. Did I get that right? Um, yeah, Dominique Fishback uh, plays Deborah Johnson. She her, she's doing wonderful work. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield is always good. Like I have not seen Lakeith Stanfield in in a bad role yeah and um, i mean he it's really important he has this part because he has the complexity to get you through mm -hmm. what is a challenging thing like i said earlier to yeah. sell right yeah so the i mean the acting on all levels is great I, you know the one thing i wish that they did more of was make me um uh or is allow me to hate uh hoover a little bit like i i wish that we they pushed a little bit more of uh, an antagonist into the film um yeah, I mean Hoover's a bad dude. Yeah, and he he wasn't bad enough for me. Right, I mean he looked a mess. And oh, I for was, sure. Again, good makeup there. Yeah, um, yeah. And and you know I think that the complexity. I mean they did some complexity with um, uh, what's his name, Roy Mitchell, with uh, 
uh, Plemons character. Plemons character, yeah. And, you know, and I'm still not 100% sure where he stands, but he's complicit, right? Like, and they, they let that play out. Mm -hmm. the, the, so, I, so I think the acting really does stand up really well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I, th I think that there's some decent, I mean, if we want to talk about filmmaking from the cinematography perspective, I think there's some pretty shots and some good work and I don't think that it's a crime in any of that ways. That's why I'm saying like the problem may just be pacing uh, and film mm -hmm. it may be directorial a little bit. It may be one of the great dangers, right? When you produce, this is, you know, as Rich and I were working on the play, one of the things we struggled with was how do we not make this a five hour play because we care so much. Right, right, right. right. Uh, yeah. And you have to really make some hard, hard choices about what you're doing in those plays. And we, you know, my company's produced several different one man productions about historical events or figures. Mm -hmm. And it's such a challenge to, to cut parts of the things you love, but you have to do it or else the play can't function. Yeah. So like the Fred Hampton play, it's, you know, runs 76 to 80 minutes. Right. Uh, if it ran two hours, no one would watch it. Just, yeah. And there's stories that we don't tell. Um, and so in some ways that's part of what this ends up being about it's it is really embracing the Panthers so profoundly and still playing you know with whatever Bill uh, O'Neill was experiencing but uh, that that's a challenge yeah. for the filmmaker right yeah um, so uh, so yeah I, I, I feel yeah so that's what I want to say yeah well let's throw it over to you and Rich and uh, play a little excerpt from your conversation and then uh We'll come back and, and talk a little bit more about the positives of the film. And uh, if you guys want to listen to the full excerpt from John and Rich's conversation, there's a whole other episode on our feed that you can listen to that full conversation. You're listening to the Racking Focus podcast. Hey, so uh, it's John Doyle here uh, in the middle of our Racking Focus podcast, and we have the opportunity to have a conversation with Rich Bradford and Rich is the author of To My Unborn Child, a love letter uh, from Fred Hampton, which he wrote and he performs in with, uh, you know, around the area, around the region and ultimately around the country is, is our great hope. And we just uh, finished watching uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And uh, Rich and I are going to spend some time talking about that. Rich, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm kind of kind of fired up and inspired by uh by seeing the chairman fred on the on the on the television screen tonight so yeah you know the blood is flowing the, the revolutionary blood is flowing so let, rich let's start right with um first and foremost like what do you think of the film itself um the film itself uh i thought it was very insightful um uh part way on the life of, of fred hampton um I could tell it was uh, more so of a Hollywood entertainment type film, which was cool. It was nice. Um, it was nice to still see them get some of his um, really beautiful speeches in that, uh, that 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 inspired the people. And and um, I think the uh, the brother, the actor, um, uh, what is his name? My brain is. Yeah, yeah. I think he. Um, I think he did a great job, you know, um, um, playing Fred Hampton. I think there were some really great camera shots also, especially uh, if you want to be technical about it. I loved some of the great camera shots and uh, especially the um, the intro of um, of O'Neill himself, 
not um not off the recording, but when he uh first enter, am I am I am I am I about to get some spoilers? Can I get spoilers? No. no. Yeah, we we're already in the spoiler section, so we're good. Okay, okay. When he uh when he enters the bar and how they have um a shot of his um of his coattails, kind of like uh flapping in the wind as he um as he walks into the bar, you know, yeah. and um and and that's where where the whole journey begins. So that was uh. That was pretty cool. I mean, I really enjoyed it. You know, there was other things I wish I would have uh, they they would have put in it, but I I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. it was pretty good. Yeah. So so we were talking and we liked the film a lot. And you know, people want to listen to the full podcast, but we struggled with the pacing in some places. So like mm. it felt like in the middle it slowed down a bit, um, and uh, so that was something that we that we both Josiah struggled with it more than I did. But, but I have mm-hmm. to say that, you know, one of the things I really thought was important was that we did get to sort of see and hear Fred Hampton um, mm. in all of his glory. Right. Like we got yeah, to hear those yeah. words and mm. we got to hear um, we got to watch him sort of lay out those speeches in all those interesting environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. What do you think about the portrayal of Hampton across the board? Like, what things really stuck out to you? What mattered? Oh, man, I, I love the portrayal of Hampton. I, I love the fact that um, one of my, I think one of my favorite scenes, actually, in, in his portrayal was um, was with him and Deborah Johnson. Um, that relationship with Scrapped is so beautiful. Like, um, like and um, as you know, as in, like, when um, writing... Um, um, love letters, um, uh, love letters from Fred Hampton to my unborn child. Um, you know, I, I, I was always curious about that relationship and, um, and, and, you know, how it, how it grew and, and everything like that over, over a short, over a short time span, actually, you know, so that, that was beautiful to see that on screen and, and see how they interacted with, um, with one another. Um, and, uh, I wish, and, and I know this was more about um, Hampton and uh, and O'Neill's um, relationship. I wish there, I wish there was moments that we could have seen a young Fred Hampton when he was like protesting out in Maywood about the pools and all that stuff, you know. But um, for the most part, I thought the portrayal was uh, pretty dope. And if you want to be technical about the vocal, the vocal play, it was like it was beautiful. It was good. Um, yeah, I thought he nailed Fred's like voice cadence and all of that mm-hmm. so well. I did. Mm-hmm. I've always, you know, one of the things that I I wonder about, and this is interesting because when you're on, you're uh, you're older than Fred Hampton too, and you perform Fred Hampton, right? And mm-hmm. I felt mm-hmm. like Kaluuya, um, in some ways, looked too much older than the rest of the gang he was with. I thought his That's portrayal true. was great, mm-hmm. but he, but I didn't mm-hmm. get that sense of the thing that you're just mm-hmm. talking about, where like. He he's only twenty one, right? When the yeah, story's taking yeah. place, when you're on stage alone and you're older than that, you can create that sense of like I'm a I'm a spirit from beyond telling the story, mm. you know. But for this in the live real world, I was I felt a little bit like he was older than I wanted him to be, um, mm. because I love the fact that we can say to young people, look look what you could have done or can be doing at twenty one, and so many of the other characters were young. Uh, around mm. him but but still mm. that doesn't that doesn't lessen uh Kalu- performances which i thought was spectacular 
Yeah, the impact that it had also. Like, um, right. yeah, yeah, I, I, t I totally felt that. Like, I felt like he was the, the oldest out of the group. Except, except for sometimes when he was standing next to uh, Bobby Rush, which right. uh, that's, that's one thing I did wish about the, the, the play. I mean, not the play, but the movie. Um, like, if you're going to have Bobby Rush in there, you got to make him a little bit more flushed out because that was like his main man, you, you, you know? So, right. um, so uh, it was like, I was waiting for a little bit more from Bobby Rush, like a little bit more like of his character to come, to come on the screen a little bit more, but mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because Bobby Rush is like, if, if we say, if we're saying that um, O'Neill is Judas, Bobby Rush is Peter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. like, mm -hmm. like, and when we, and I, I agree with you about that. And Rush is such an interesting character. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. What, what um. How about the portrayal of the Panthers? What do you think about the portrayal of the Panthers as a whole? Um, I love that they really hit on some uh, a lot of their programs. They they really focus on that more so than like um, the I guess what people will call um, some people will try to call the defiance uh, uh, towards the law, mm -hmm. where you see more so like the in this movie you see more so about um, Panther love like reaching out right. and connecting and 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 uh building a, a unified force against um against oppression against uh white supremacy uh, i love the um uh the scenes of like uh the panthers out there passing out panther papers and and fred you know at the head of that i love the panthers going out recruiting uh, mm -hmm. I, I love that they that they that they displayed that and um and that it didn't come off as like an and like like a shoot 'em out bang bang all throughout, you know, like sensationalism, like Hollywood's is sensationalized, like shoot 'em up type type film. Right. It, it came when it was necessary, you know, when it's when when it was absolutely necessary. So, I love the the portrayal of the the education of the Panthers. Also, like I, I'm glad that they took a moment on that to like talk about you know educating each other and learn the ten point systems. Um, right uh within the system so i love that and i i don't think it was uh rushed i think some of the clips that they used also of uh the live clips uh, actually helped with it too i'm um, yep. hearing some of the chants and the and the uh, call and responses that was that was so moving to hear that that was pretty dope and i think one of my um one of my favorites favorite scenes <laughs> because you know we just had this um this whole uh issue with the confederate flag Right. And um, I remember you and I, when, when we would talk, when we were writing, um, when I was writing um, um, To My Own Bone Child, and we would uh, talk about um, about the the gang that he recruited that had, um, you know, um, that would wear Confederate flags, how he brought right. them over to that side, you know, and it wasn't about the Confederate flag. It was about uniting underneath, you know, underneath um one working class one proletariat you know what i'm saying so i love that they put that scene in there where everybody um uh was was first stuck on the flag but then they start in and the heritage and the symbolism in the scene but then they got down to the you know to the bare root to the root of the problem so that was um that was lovely that was beautiful yeah i love i loved actually the very beginning of the film i loved a lot where we got to see sort of video for well, film it's really mm -hmm. film not video of like the yeah. of the Panther Ambulance Service and and, yeah. and images of Breakfast for Children. Yeah. One, you know this this like 
societal misperception of what the Panthers were was dealt with very quickly with really interesting video or film mm-hmm. right at the beginning of, of the movie. And I love that. And I also agree with you that I, I thought both of the scenes where he went to do recruiting and it's interesting. He doesn't go to the stone Rangers, right? Because that would have knocked the story right off track. Right. Yeah. So, I was wondering about that. Yeah. Right. True. Yeah. So, that's that's so what you, I thought about. Also. Yeah. People want to know about the stone Rangers. They have to come see your play. But um, if <laughs> uh, you know, if, if they're not going to do that, then um, you know, they, at least we saw a, a group who was a, you know, we saw a black group that mm. was in opposition mm. that came around mm. and we watched Hampton do his work. But the, that moment in that Confederate flag space, whatever you want to call that meeting hall, th- I thought that was such so pertinent to today, man. Like mm. every one of those mm-hmm. freaking Trump folks down there marching on uh, the Capitol will today, I think, would struggle to listen to Hampton in the way those folks yeah. in that group did. Yeah, yep, that's true. Talk and and, uh, and speaking of that, that that gang, that gang, the the leader of that gang, was actually a good friend of mine, Chris Davis. He he played that role. And I was like, oh, I see my guy up there. That, that was pretty <laughs> cool to see him, you know, playing playing that role. And he did a great job. It was it was nice. It was, it was, yeah, it was, I, it was I thought really that good. scene was really good. It was like appropriately tense and dangerous, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and. You know the this sense of order and structure in the organizations that these, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, these aren't a group of wild people. The, they're people who have structure. They just have different philosophies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I loved when the after. I mean, I didn't love that because the the explosion of the Panther headquarters is devastating. But I mean, that yeah. scene was something else. Um, yeah. But the the uh, the idea that those guys then come back and they give them cash so that they can rebuild and they, they provide mm-hmm. them with their bodies to, to do the building. I think that's so, so honest to what Hampton was trying to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like, man, you see, it's, it's nice to see like um, point blank and Claire, like what a system is scared of. And to see Martin Sheen, <laughs> oh, oh God, Martin Sheen! I don't know. I, uh, but anyway, to see Martin Sheen <laughs> um, talk about what it is that that the system is actually scared of—a black messiah, you know, raising up and unifying the people. Like the hair Fred's words was just moving, and like. Right. One word that I did love that they used was revolutionary love, even though they yep. used it like once or twice. Because every time I think of Fred, I always think about revolutionary love, like all the time. And when people ask me, like, who was Fred and how do you think of Fred? I always think like, yo, Fred was love. He was revolutionary love. Like yeah. Black Panther was revolutionary love. So that was um, pretty moving to to hear that language. It was uh, It was beautiful. You're listening to the Racking Focus podcast. All right, and we are we are back to our normal program here. And uh, if again, if you want to listen to that full conversation with John and Rich, uh, there is a full episode, a full conversation with them in the feed. You just gotta go find that. Um, and uh, and yeah, so thank and you, Rich, for being on. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rich, for taking the time and and talking about the film from your level of expertise and interest. That's great. Yeah, so uh, so let's ra- so let's wrap up and, and sort of work towards uh, a conclusion in our conversation. Um, b- before we get to sort of a, a rating, rating, 
well, let's talk about some of the things that we thought worked or, 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 or you know, that, that were, aside from the acting sort of that we talked about and some of the production design, what other things hit for you? What did you like? Um, you know, there was, there was a fine number of shots in the film that I thought were uh, really well done, really beautiful. Um, really got, you know what this film did? It got in really close and personal to the the characters to the actors mm -hmm. right we find uh, a lot of extreme close-ups whether that's through a wide angle lens where the camera is literally up their nose right um or on a little bit more of a telephoto lens where we're just we are tight like bottom of the frame is the chin top of the frame is the forehead right sort of that big close-up mm -hmm. right? i mean there's there's one shot where um where Hampton is given a speech and the camera actually can't keep up with him because right. you know he's moving out of frame and the camera pans trying to keep up and uh, he moves back and the camera has to pan pan across to him. Um, I, I, I did find that it was sometimes trying to find focus here and there, um, which that probably could have been a little, done a little bit better unless it was done intentionally. And if it was, I'm not sure why. Um, but you know, I with cinematography, you have... I think you have you have good cinematography and then you have bad cinematography and then you just have cinematography. For me, the film just has cinematography. It just it's, it exists to just tell the story. And then you have films like Malcolm and Marie, which we'll we'll be reviewing and that's going to release uh, in the next week here as well, uh, which I think has really really good cinematography, uh, where the camera actually is motivated and it actually deepens your emotional connection to the characters and to the story. It's something that Fincher does actually in all of his movies is the camera moves with the character and you feel this connection with, with the character right. itself because of the way the camera moves. Um, and then you have bad cinematography, which just completely falls flat and does something opposite to contrary to what the story is supposed to be. And I think that Judas and the black Messiah has, it just has cinematography. It's just, it's just there. Now there are a few shots in the film uh, that are just, um, they're wonderful. It, and it's not hard to make a film look beautiful today. And, and so that's where my struggle with cinematography comes in. But um, there are powerful shots in the film. There are definitely powerful images. Um, and like you said, especially I think with some of the violence and with some of, uh, with some of that stuff, because they did not shy away from, from showing the, the true horror of what the, the struggle was. You know, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to I just I don't want to be the guy who's just bringing all negativity to the uh, to the movie. Um, so, so it's about honest experience. Yeah. right? And that's what that's what you're talking about. And what yeah. I want to say is that there was some framing of shots I thought were really interesting. Mm -hmm. And the framing in, sometimes spoke really well to the story. You know, oh, we yeah, see yeah, yeah. Uh, Stanfield with a gun to his head, right? right like, right. which is the experience he has. Right. That and that's, and is, that's one of the extreme close ups right. I'm talking about, right? With, and that stuff worked. And there's a lot of framing through shots. So there's a lot of interesting sort of framing through windshields or framing through doorways or framing through hallways right. or framing with, you know, windows in a background, whatever it may be, that are really interesting and good. And, you know, those things really work. And I think that we can say that this film lives on the acting and the story right like the mm -hmm. story itself yeah so we have some actors who are doing really good work both channeling real people and presenting emotional emotionally rich characters even if those characters had very small or disconnected roles or right. unclear roles in some places unless you know the history um and, and then on the other end of the spectrum we have a story about 
that, that needs to be told, right? Yeah, yeah. And one thing I will say about this is it's, it, I had some trepidation going into this because I was concerned because I care about the story a lot. Yeah. And I feel like the story was done the service it should be done. I wish it was a 10-part miniseries. I, I wish it was, uh -huh. you know, not a docu-series even, like dramatically presented. I, I wish, right. you know, the, that, and then that's not a wish about what's wrong with this film. It's a wish about my care for that story. And I think they did a really nice job making sure we understood what, how awful it is that this man was murdered and how awful the world was. Mm -hmm. And the thing you talked about in the beginning, and I just think we should at least take a moment to talk about it, is just relevance, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing in this film that isn't relevant to the summer of 2020. No, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have to say that it's, it's not identical, but I don't have, I don't, it, it is so similar Cops involved with the killing of a black man. When black men, right? In black men, right? Like, and and it's happening. It's con it's just constantly happening. And and, and you know yeah. the 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 idea of we need to tell the story of Fred Hampton because of this uniting of all of these disparate groups and the bravery and boldness to do that and about all the details that are present in the film. They're things we need to see, and it is that it is that part of the film yeah. anchored on the back of good acting that makes me want to say people should watch this, right? Yes, like that. That's yeah. that's where I come from, and so I'm. I think it's important that we talk about what we see and what we feel, and that sometimes can be quite different than whether someone should watch it or not, right? Like that's yes. why our yeah, review yeah, yeah. Look, system is like it is. My this this isn't this isn't me this is me saying like be aware that the film is there's problems but you absolutely still need to watch this movie because you know i didn't actually even know who fred hampton was until you and rich did that play because fred hampton's not taught in public school absolutely you not. know we learn about martin luther king we hardly learn about malcolm x we learn about uh, uh king jr because he was he was a pacifist and he was peaceful right you don't learn about the Black Panther. I, we I did not learn about the Black Panthers, and I knew they existed, but we didn't go in depth about what they did. Right. Um, so I didn't learn about the Black Panthers. I didn't learn about Fred Hampton. I didn't really learn about Malcolm X. You knew who the party was. You knew who Malcolm X was, but L L Martin Luther King Jr. was the guy they focused on because they wanted to talk about peace and not about how to make change. Um, and Martin Luther King Jr. did make change, um, and they all made change. Malcolm X made change. Uh, MLK Jr. Ma made change. Fred Hampton made change. Black Panthers made change. They all made change in maybe different ways. Right. Um, but the school system is going to push the peaceful man, right, over the, the other revolutionaries of, of the age. Um, and so I think that what this movie does is that it opens up a whole nother uh, perspective for people who have never heard of Fred Hampton. Um, and they're going to be drawn to this because they like the acting of Lakeith Stanfield and they like the acting of Daniel Kaluuya. Um, and maybe they've seen another uh, one of Shaka Kings or maybe they're the Lucas Brothers fans. And they're going to they're going to watch this film having never heard of uh, uh, Fred Hampton. Uh, and I'm going to say primarily a lot of uh, a white audience, primarily, um, because I think a lot of the black community know who Fred Hampton is and know about the Black Panthers. But I'm sure there are still people out there in the black community that, that well, don't. I mean, the Black Panther's position about 
economic justice is one that is troubling to lots of people who live in a conservative business-based world. And yeah. so, the, you know, these the reframing the Black Panthers in within this story is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the footage is footage I've seen in other documentaries, documentaries from the period that I've watched about the Panthers. And um, it's wonderful to see sort of that being played in the real world. Like it's, it's, it's present in the popular... Right. Uh, uh, iconic uh, iconography uh, uh, well, that language that word is not going to come out uh, and s- iconography. iconography and yeah. so uh, wow that was difficult so <laughs> so we, now if we can get those things in there things that you know uh, theater companies I've worked with I've talked about the people I've worked with stories we've told on stage um, stories we've told in video through the theater company are mm-hmm. now gaining some you know depth here and the opportunity to expand on it and so if this begins a conversation about the relationship between police um and you know the panthers in a way that reframes what people may misperceive about those groups from the period if it clarifies something about j edgar hoover uh, that's Mm -hmm. great i but i do think there's plenty of people who are going you know the film makes such an effort to show that bridging the gap between racial groups and power to yes. the people yeah and the sad thing that i mean the tragically sad thing is that that scene that takes place um with the uh the young lords and um uh the and hampton that really fascinating scene when he's in that confederate flagged bedecked world right yeah. the, the that scene is spectacular because of what it says about what human beings can do so like for me this movie's worth it because we get to see that stuff yeah alive but on the other hand there are there are going to be white audience members who have a confederate flag in their house who can't comprehend that that would happen and may even see those white characters those poor white characters who hear hampton's words and respond as a betrayal to some bizarre racial integrity mm-hmm. and to me that's like so that's why this film needs to be out there so we hear the story you know i was in a march over the summer where someone said it's so good that white people are finally marching with us yeah and my first thought was like fred hampton was marching with white people right you know in 68 and there were white people marching with king and whatever but right. it's so important to remember that th- we've broken apart that and so putting this in perspective in relationship to mm-hmm. us and so for me it it's that thing like it's an important film with a lot of good work that has some issues that people should be aware of so that they don't but both to call those issues out because it's important to do that. And on the other hand, to make sure people are aware so they don't they, they don't miss that, right? And yeah. and, and pull away or, or disconnect or, or focus on uh, it in a way that doesn't give the story its due. Yeah. That was a long diatribe. No, look, I'm gonna say I think we should end it there because I think you've summed it up perfectly. And I think that, you know, there's there's strengths and weaknesses to the film, but it's not about creating the perfect film. It's about telling the story of Fred Hampton uh, in the best way that that you can and, and, and making sure his story continues and, and reaches the audience. So, uh, so I'm going to say, yeah. watch it and I'm going to say, watch mm-hmm. it on HBO before it leaves. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I got to be honest, I would watch this in a theater probably. Yeah. I think there's some yeah. things about this, especially the, the impact of the violence that would play really powerfully mm-hmm. on the big screen. Well, and, and I think more importantly is that you're with other people. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Good mm-hmm. point.
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, and so with that, um, we want to thank Rich Bradford again for talking with uh, with, with us uh, and, and being a part of this. And again, if you want to listen to the whole conversation, you can tune into the piece after this feed. And we would love to hear your feedback, you know, um, yeah. and let us know what you thought of the film and what you think about what we had to say about the film. So you, there's a couple ways you can do that. Just say, how can people get in touch with us? Yeah, you can head to uh, rackingfocuspodcast.com. You can find all of our social channel links there you can also send us a direct message on instagram if you'd like racking focus podcast and uh you know if you want to send us a voice message you can do that as well by heading to anchor.fm slash racking focus podcast slash message uh all those links are going to be in the description of this episode so feel free to click on any of those links there and we'd love to connect with you um and and hear your thoughts about this movie and maybe what we should be reviewing next we're going to be focusing a lot on you know, the content that is coming to streaming platforms like Netflix and HBO Max and Amazon Prime and uh, places like that. So you should, if you have any of those, you will have access to uh, to the content that we'll be reviewing. But we'd love to hear what you think we should review next. John, you want to talk about uh, podcast iTunes and reviews and all that? Yeah, so, you know, you can listen to us on any podcasting platform. Uh, you just have to search Rack and Focus Podcast. But one of the ways we get to be seen and heard is by you leaving a review. So we want you to leave a review. If you want to leave a five-star review, that's great. If you want to leave a one-star review, leave a five-star review and just complain about us in the comments. <laughs> the, we want to get people out there. We want to have a conversation about film. It's a good time to do that, especially in this sort of transitional period where you know cinemas are struggling and we're seeing all this work on uh, streaming services. It's just a great time for us to be talking about and engaging in film. People have such access. Mm -hmm. I mean, HBO Max alone has so much great cinema to watch. It's a great time for us to have a conversation about it. So, um, you know, make sure you leave us a review, make sure you comment to us and uh, go to, you know, visit our website and, yeah. and we'll be in touch. Yeah. And lastly, please share this episode with a friend who might like it and might want to listen to the podcast. So, Thank you guys, and we'll catch you next time on the Racking Focus podcast. Yep, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus podcast.